Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, to please check out my ebook slash audiobook, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo. In it, uh, I examine, uh, seven great fictional detectives, uh, and life lessons that can be drawn from their histories. Among them are Sherlock Holmes, Monk, Columbo, and, uh, much more. Uh, be sure and pick up your copy of All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo. Uh, all right. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Mr. Moto, the Crooked Log. This is Mr. Moto, Mr. I. A. Moto. Once again, NBC brings you Pulitzer Prize winner John P. Marquand's fabulous and mysterious Mr. Moto, international agent extraordinary, the inscrutable, crafty, and courageous little Oriental whose exploits have endeared him to millions of Americans in another adventure in the world of mystery and international intrigue. Tonight's story concerns the crooked log and stars Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. It is said that a crooked log makes a better fire than a straight one. The log in this case was no exception to the rule. It began in New York with the woman in the case, who had been referred to me by the Maritime Commission. She was attractive and quite young but had the manner of one whom grief had aged beyond her years. At first I thought I must be seeing things, Mr. Moto. But then I went back and took another look. And it was definitely a picture of my husband. You say this painting was in the window of a shop on 57th Street? Yes, between Park and Madison. It's called the Auchincloss Gallery. Please describe the painting, Mrs. Clausen. All right. Well, uh... In, in the background is this South Pacific-type beach. Yes. There's some war souvenirs in the background, a couple of rusty landing barges, a stack of oil drums. But what first caught my eye was this pin-up calendar tacked to a palm tree. The month showing is January 1948, and a date is circled in red, the third. Now, what is the significance of that date? The day my husband's ship exploded in the Pacific and sank with all hands. Oh, that is the SS Amley Landis of which your husband was captain. Yeah, that's right. But, Mr. Moto, that picture is dated 1950, and I've been a widow for three years. The artist might have finished the painting at a later date. No, I don't think so, Mr. Moto. I think my husband's still alive. And I think that picture may be his way of telling me so. 
How do you explain his failure to get in touch with you directly? Maybe he couldn't. Maybe he was afraid. Afraid? Look, the Emily Landis was carrying valuable chemicals. Ah. Clifford Landis, the owner of the line, collected $1 million insurance. Have you any reason to believe the explosion was not an accident? There's only one man's word for it. You say the ship sank with all hands? All but one. A man named Garner. He was first officer of the ship. He's now vice president of the whole line. A very rapid promotion. And his testimony? He testified that my husband was drunk in his cabin. And that the explosion was due to his negligence. The commission was satisfied with Mr. Garner's testimony? They didn't have any choice. The ship's log brought up to date by Garner was the only official record. Have you talked to the artist who painted this picture of your husband? No. The man in the shop wouldn't give me any information. Just acted as if he didn't know what I was talking about. I think I had better have a talk with him, Mrs. Clausen. In the meantime, I suggest you stay by your telephone. I may want to ask you some more questions. Well, just one thing, Mr. Moto. If my husband is alive... Yes? Please don't tell anybody till I've had a chance to talk with him. May I ask why? I told you. They collected a million dollars insurance on that ship. Landis and Garner might like it better if he stayed dead. I was quite favorably impressed with Mrs. Clausen and her story. When I saw the painting in the window of the gallery on 57th Street, I was less favorably impressed. She had neglected to tell me that the face of the man in the painting was not visible. He was lying prone with his head on a gnarled piece of driftwood as if he had fallen asleep while reading, using the open book to shade his face. The cover of the book bore the name of Clausen's ship, the S.S. Emily Landis. On his forum was a heart-shaped tattoo mark enclosing the letter L, which may or may not have stood for Mrs. Clausen's first name, Leela. The title of the picture was on a card in the corner of the frame, The Crooked Log by Mervyn Felice. Ah, you are Mr. Moto. I am Auchincloss. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Auchincloss? I, I am receiving your phone call on the very brink of insanity. Thirty years at the same address, Mr. Moto, the Auchincloss galleries had never any trouble until this moment. Which I got burglars. Burglars, Mr. Auchincloss? Which they have in the night, my shop in Broken. You mistake my intentions, Mr. Auchincloss. You want the police. Oh, no, 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 I already called them. You see, uh, which they insult me and question my balance. So? Yeah, yeah, because the burglars didn't steal anything. Which instead they brought me a gift, which is the truth and the basis for the insults from the police. The burglars brought you a gift? Yeah, a picture in my window where was a little Madonna which they are exchanging without my knowledge, which I want you to find out why or to find the artists. I, too, want to find that artist, Mr. Auchincloss. Oh, excuse me, a customer. Do not run away, sir. The customer was a plump, affluent-looking individual with a gold-headed cane and a grey Hamburg hat, which he had removed, revealing a dome-shaped head totally devoid of hair. While Mr. Auchinglass talked with him, I walked to the rear of the shop and examined the rear entrance. 
through which the gift-bearing burglars had entered. My investigations were interrupted by a cry of distress. Help! Police! Stop thief! Oh, oh, that man, he has stolen the picture from the window. Stop him, Do please. not worry, Mr. Yeah. Arkansas. He couldn't have gone very far. No, but hurry, before you lose him. Stop. Stop for a moment, sir. Please. Please. Unhand me, sir. I shall call an officer. That will not be necessary, sir. I will take that picture. And I paid for this picture in coin of the realm, sir. That ridiculous foreigner is only trying to make trouble for me. Then I am sure you will not object to coming back. While we check on your story. You are adamant, sir? I am. Well. But mind you, I mean to have this picture by fair means or foul. Are you by any chance the artist? I have had about enough of your insults. Ah, ah you have trapped him. Burglars bring, burglars take away. You see, Mr. Moto, which is all too strange to be harmless. I am inclined to agree, Mr. Auchincloss. Thief, indeed. You are the thief, sir. After bidding me up to $50,000 for this wretched canvas, and then refuse my very generous offer. Uh, explain to him, Mr. Moto, which the artist has not quoted me the price or even authorized me to sell it. But then, by all means, let us find him and talk to him. That should be simple. Uh, it is not simple. Uh, here is Mr. Moto, a secret agent, looking for him. Ah. Uh, my name is Carmichael, sir. How do you do? If you succeed, Mr. Moto, finding that artist... I will pay you $5,000, irrespective of the price of the merchandise. Why does he always want to pay so much for everything? It is all too strange to be harmless. I am a connoisseur, sir. When I want a thing, price is no object. And where can I reach you, Mr. Carmichael? That will not be necessary. I, or my agent, sir, will contact you. Of that you may be sure. Good day. When he had gone, I returned my investigation of the window at the rear of his shop. A neat hole had been cut through the glass and the burglar alarm had been dismantled as delicately as if by the hand of a watchmaker. There were, to my knowledge, only three men with enough skill to have done it. Two were in Sing Sing and the third had retired from burglary to operate a small bar on the Hoboken waterfront. What brings you across the river, Mr. Morto? A work of art, Mr. McCavity. Uh, would you take a wee drink, Mr. Morto, on the house? Uh, no, uh, not at the moment. It's a funny thing what I was thinking of you last night, Mr. Morto. Remember when I helped you break into that warehouse over on Gansevoort Street? <laughs> Only time I ever did a job for the law. Yes, I was thinking about you today, too, Mr. McCavity. Well, 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 great minds the same channel, eh, Mr. Morto? I was thinking about a six-volt Mitchell burglar alarm with a three-way circuit breaker, the Auchincloss Galleries on 57th Street. Uh, what were you thinking about? You know, I was thinking about you when I was doing it, Mr. Morto. Eerie, is it not? Very, very strange indeed. Aye, but it did me good. It took ten years off my life to get out the old kit, take my shoes off and do a job again. You saw it, did you? Oh, yes, I was there. Well, then, was it all right? I don't think I lost my touch, do you? It was quite, quite skillful. Uh, by the way, uh, may I ask why you did it? <laughs> oh, just impulse. A man paid me 50 bucks to take a picture in. Uh, do you know why he wanted it in that window? No, I don't ask questions. You know me. Now then, what's up? They're not after me, are they? 
I am trying to locate the artist who painted that picture. I wouldn't have ken an artist when I see one. Now, how about the man who hired you? Do you know where he is? Ugh, Ivan, why didn't you ask me that before? He's away over at yon table. Huh? Do you see him? The one with the scarred face. The name he gave me was Bert Clausen. I looked back at the table Mr. McCavity had pointed out. I saw a big man with dark hair and approximately two days' growth of beard on the left side of his face. The other side of his face was solid scarred tissue from his hairline to his collar. It could have been caused by a burn. Across the table from him sat a small man in a rumpled white suit. When I approached the table, I saw that there was paint under his fingernails. Mr. Clausen did the talking. What do you want? I want to talk to you, Mr. Clausen. About the crooked lodge? That is correct. What's the offer? Fifty thousand dollars. I can't hear you. Tell him to add a zero. Maybe that'll make my hearing better. May I ask what is in that picture to make it worth half a million dollars? No, I can't figure you. If you don't know about the crooked log, what are you in this for? Someone wants to find the artist who painted that picture. He don't want the painting. He seemed to want it very, very much. Oh? What did he say? I mean, exactly what did he say? That he would pay $5,000 to the one who succeeds in finding the person authorized to sell the crooked log. Well, you found me. If you think you can collect on that, try it. Is there another bidder? Look, Slant Eyes, guessing smart will get you no place. You don't even know what you're looking for. They'll never tell you, neither will I. If painting is your hobby, stick around. If it's your living, you're wasting your time here. I am inclined to agree with you, Mr. Clausen. Good night, and thank you for your very, very good advice. Outside the bar, I walked to the corner and waited. I did not have to wait long. It was the little silent man in the crumpled white suit and an artist beret who had been sitting at Clausen's table. He was wringing his hands and all but weeping. Please, please, I've got to talk to you. He's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Unless you are quite sure what you are talking about, sir, I had rather... No, 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 no. I painted that picture. The crooked log. Huh? I'm Mervyn Trelease. I did authorize Clausen to sell it for me, but he's crazy. Fifty thousand dollars, for heaven's sakes, I accept. Don't pay any attention to him. I think Mr. Clausen is right about one thing. The gentleman might pay fifty thousand dollars for the picture, but he wants some information as well. I'll gladly tell you anything I know. I have no secrets. What do you know about Mr. Clausen, for instance? Please, let's walk on a ways. Do you mind? Not at all. Well, I... I met him in Tahiti. Yes? I don't know how he arrived there. He'd never say. One day, I found him on the beach in front of my house. That's when I painted the picture. He said if I'd come back to the States with him, he could get me a lot of money for my paintings. I see. Especially one I called... The Crooked Log. Why did you call it The Crooked Log? That chunk of driftwood in the painting. He wanted to keep it as a souvenir... Worked on it for days, polishing it, scraping out the termite nest, drying it out. And when we sailed for the States, he brought it with him in a little chest he'd made for it. Do you know where that is now? Why, yes, he he left it in my studio along with some other things. I would like to examine that log, Mr. Trelease. Oh, Clausen would be very angry if he knew I 
I wouldn't dare take you there myself. I'll give you the address. Come there in an hour. Second floor. First door at the top of the stairs. Mr. Trelisi's studio was in a loft building on Front Street. I arrived there shortly after 8 o'clock and climbed the stairs to the second floor. Mr. Trelisi? Mr. Trelis, are you... are you in there? Are you all right, Mr. Trelis? Mr. Trelis, what is it? Have you been drinking? Here now, wake up, wake up. The log. Yes, yes. They said they wanted the log. Who? I gave it to them. The log. And they... had half raised his head, and when it dropped back to the floor, it turned slightly to one side, and then I saw what had happened. The back of his skull had been crushed with a heavy bludgeon. Beside him on the floor lay a gnarled, bleached out, lovingly polished piece of driftwood. It was identical with the one in the painting. The poor little artist had been murdered with his own crooked lock. While I was waiting for the police to arrive, I made a hasty search of the murder room. There was nothing of interest except for a half-finished canvas on the easel. On the back of the bathroom door was hanging a woman's skirt, blouse and jacket. The clothes Leela Crossan had been wearing when she called on me earlier in the day. I cautiously opened the closet door and handed them in. Who's out there? I'm only one of the models. If you touch me, I'll scream. Please, take your things and remain calm, Mrs. Crossan. Is that you, Mr. Moto? Yes, it is. Oh, I'll be out in just a moment. What were you doing here, Mrs. Crossan? He advertised for a model, and I... Wait till I get into this blouse. You had better hurry. The police will be here soon. Yeah. Just, let me get these shoes on. There. Oh, thanks for helping me out. You make it difficult for me to help you in more important ways, Mrs. Clausen. Oh, the poor little guy. He's dead, isn't he? Who did it? Two men. I didn't see them. You were just taking a nap in the clothes closet when they arrived, is that it? Please, Mr. Motor, this is nothing to joke about. I ask you again, who killed well, him? Well, for all I know, it may have been you. Why do you say that? Well, he said somebody offered you $5,000 to find him. That is correct. I did not accept Mr. Carmichael's proposition, however. The name is not Carmichael. You know who he is. How much have you found out so far? I only know for certain that this man has been murdered. You don't know why? I think they thought he knew something he did not know. Yeah, about the crooked log. He thought it was that hunk of wood, the poor dope. So they brained him with it. It could have been your husband who did it. Bert? Bert's alive? Did you come to me to find out if he was alive or to make sure he was dead? Well, that's a crazy thing to say. Or did you want that logbook for yourself? What's it good for except to clear my husband? You pointed out that the ship was insured for a million dollars. So? If your husband has the straight log of that voyage... 
the owner of the line, Mr. Landis, and the first officer of the ship, Mr. Garner, would pay a good deal to suppress it. I hate to think of Bert being a blackmailer. Ah. Although I don't know why I care. He's always a skunk as far as I was concerned. Oh, but gee, when I read in the papers how they were hanging it all on him after he's dead and can't speak for himself, it made me sore. And he always had a lot of respect for ships, so I knew it was something cooked up. Listen, when you said he was alive, you weren't just saying that, were you? I was not just saying that, Mrs. Crossan. Well, how did he look? Was he hurt bad? That depends on how you feel about scars. I don't want to see him. It's been so long, he could have been in touch. I used to dread every time he'd come into port. Every time he left, I swore I'd never see him again. So he comes back from the dead all scarred up, and I'm supposed to feel different? What precisely does this logbook, the log of the S.S. Emily Landis, look like? Well, like the others I've seen, nothing special about the size of a ledger. And what does Mr. Landis look like? Fat, 55, with a beautiful head of hair. Mr. Carmichael fits that description, but he is quite, quite bald. <laughs> that amuses you. Landis is more worried about that log than I thought. You mean he left his toupee at home? Well, he'd have to do something to disguise himself. He's too well known. I mean, his going around in person haggling over a painting. No, but listen, Mr. Muddle, I'm scared. You don't know Landis like I do. And Bert's a fool to bargain with him. Landis is an old pirate. He comes from a long line of pirates. See, shipping isn't like other businesses. They're all tough and mean and crazy from the top on down. How much insurance did you collect on your husband, Mrs. Clausen? All right, Nosy, I'll tell you. Fifty thousand bucks. Leela Clausen was an enigma. I was sure she was telling the truth, but I never knew just how much of it she was telling. I made a rough estimate, and on the strength of it, let her go. Then, I examined that piece of driftwood. I had a hunch that Clausen had not spent all that time fixing and polishing it for his private amusement. And I was quite correct. The underside of it had been rotted away originally and the hollowed-out part was sealed with a layer of pitch. Underneath, I found what I was looking for, the logbook of the S.S. Emily Landis. I found Mr. Clausen at the table in the bar where I had left him. I laid the book down on the table in front of him. So you found it. As you see, Mr. Clausen. Wait till I get hold of that little paint slinger. I'll murder him. Unfortunately, someone beat you to it. Oh? Well, it was his own fault he talked to me. You suffer from even a more dangerous ailment, Mr. Clausen. You do not talk enough. Yeah, maybe you're right, Slant Eyes. What shall we talk about? A nine-letter word beginning with B and spelled blackmail. You're wrong. What do you choose to call it, Mr. Clausen? Any master or officer of an American ship unemployed in a foreign country as a result of shipwreck shall receive full pay, maritime law. I am quite aware of that. Well, Landis owes me three years of it at 25000 per. Total, 75000 bucks. You see, I had another score to settle with Landis and Garner besides money. 
I had to pay them off for a lot of nice guys that went down in that ship for a lousy insurance fraud. I knew Linus would buy that picture, and I knew he'd look at it till he'd go crazy. Well, I wanted to let him squirm for a while before I let him have it. How did you manage to come out of that wreck alive? Ghana made the mistake of planting a charge of explosive right outside my cabin. So? So instead of trapping me, it blew me out a porthole, clear over the starboard rail, and I hit the water a good 50 feet clear of the ship. And where did you obtain the rubber raft? A mermaid swiped it for me from Davy Jones' locker. Now do you believe my story? Every word of it, Mr. Clausen. I'll do my best to prove it. I telephoned Mr. Landis to meet us at the Ockenclos Galleries at 1 a.m. It took Mr. McCavity a few minutes to figure out the new burglar alarm that had been installed, but he did not fail me. I gave Mr. Clausen his instructions left him in the back room and reached the front door just as Mr. Ockenclos was unlocking. Mr. Moto, may I ask what you are doing here at this time of night, Mr. Oh, Ockenclos? I couldn't sleep, which I am dreaming burglars are my shop coming in again. Oh, but you are here, so all is well. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed, Mr. Ockenclos. Uh, you found Mr. Trellis? That is quite correct. He gives permission to sell the painting? And so, and I found you a new buyer, Mr. Ockenclos. For such a bad painting? A gentleman named Landis. He will be here in a moment. Well, couldn't he come during business hours? In the middle of the night, he buys bad paintings. Oh, it is all too strange to be harmless. Ah, I see him outside now. Yeah. You wait in the back room, Mr. Auchincloss. I will handle this. It is all in your lap, Mr. Moto. Ah, Mr. Moto. You brought it with you? I thought I asked you to come alone, Mr. Landis. Ah, allow me to introduce my associate, Mr. Garner. Mr. Garner was first officer of the Emily Landis... So naturally, he is interested in the recovery of the log. Come on, Stopstone, where is it? The picture is still in the window. Picture? What's he talking about? Come now, Mr. Modo. Don't play the innocent with me. You know as well as I do what was bargained for. If you bargain with me for a picture, Mr. Garner, a picture is what you will get. If you want anything else, you have only to ask for it in a straightforward and specific manner. You fat bungler, Landis. It's a good thing I came along. He doesn't know a thing that can help us or hurt us. In another minute, he would trap you in a confession. You had better tell him, Mr. Landis. Tell him what? That you offered me his share of the insurance money if I could get that logbook from Trelease. Well, that's a lie. Trelease was dead before Moto got there. I personally beat his brains out. But I have the log. And you may as well be frank about it, Mr. Landis. Mr. Garner's share is what you offered me, and that is still my price. Now, look here, Moto. We, 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 we can't cut poor Garner out altogether. You shouldn't have made that deal, Landis. You cut me out, I'll cut you down. Garner, put, put that gun away. Don't be so hasty. After all, Mr. Moto may know something. That's what I'm afraid of. No, no, Garner. Uh, this is most unwise. <coughs> Garner. Garner. Speak to me. By heaven, sir. He, he's dead. I, I never even saw you draw your pistol. I did not do so, Mr. Landis. Uh, but, but I... Hello, I, Mr. Landis. What you look kind of sick. Clausen. Yeah. Moto, I, I consider this most unethical. What are you beefing about? I saved your life. Garner would have dropped you if I hadn't gotten him first. What do you want, Clausen? My money. Well, that's very simply arranged. You have the log? How much money? I have 50000 in this briefcase. That's all the cash I could raise on such short notice. All right, I'll take your personal note for the rest of it. Sit down there and write. 
Moto, you're not going to let him do this? Take your shout, too? I said right. Yes. Well, that's it. I trust you're a man of your word. Moto, you sign it as witness. With pleasure, Mr. Crossan. Moto, you're a madman. Give it to him now, Moto. You are quite, quite sure this is what you want, Mr. Crossan? I know what I'm doing. Very well. Here you are, Mr. Landis. The log of the S.S. Emily Landis. Thank you, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Bonsoir, adieu, and goodbye. Your long-lost Ulysses has sailed home at last, madam. My felicitations. Mr. Motor, I came just as soon but you gave him the log. I... Remember me, Lila? Yes, I seem to remember I once had a husband. Well, come here. No, don't. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to feel sorry. Oh, Bert. Oh, Bert, your poor thing. Oh, shut up. Come on, all. Good night, Mr. Moto. And thanks for everything. Uh, Mr. Moto, uh, this painting, I give it to you for a gift. Oh, thank you so very, very much, Mr. Arkansas. Uh, the painting only. I keep the frame. I quite understand. Here, right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, there's something stuck in the back there. Some paper. Yeah. What is this, Mr. Moto? It is part of the log of the SS Emily Landis. The only part that matters. The part that mattered was a detailed record of what had gone on aboard the Emily Landis during the three days before she exploded and sank. It was not very honest of Mr. Crossan to sell Mr. Landis the worthless part of the log. But the police are holding Mr. Landis for murder. And where Mr. Landis is going, he will not need any money. But as I noted before, a crooked log makes a better fire than a straight one. just heard the world's greatest secret agent, Mr. I.A. Moto, in The Crooked Log. And here with a preview of next week's story is Mr. I.A. Moto. Next week, a story of intrigue involving a seductive Latin American lady bent on vengeance and a platinum locket that held the key to one of the largest and most ingenious smuggling operations ever devised in the case of the stolen convertible. And now, may the serenity of an October evening bring sleep to your waiting eyes and bear you away upon a fragrance of night-blooming jasmine in the tranquility of a summer garden reflected in the still pool of untroubled dreams. Good night. Welcome back. Well, um, I love the title of this episode. Really, a clever play on words. Um, and it definitely does appear that um, they... Uh, uh, switched uh, formats a little bit, uh, moving just to more of a straight detective show, even while, of course, in this episode, clinging to the fact that uh, uh, 
that uh, Mr. Moto is indeed a um, uh, is indeed a secret agent. All right. Well, we move on now to listener comments and feedback, and we actually have a bundle uh, regarding uh, Mr. Moto. Um, and I was kind of expecting that. This is in regards to uh, the episode Escape, which uh, concerned a, a, a cat helping uh, escape from the catacombs. Uh, Lori uh, comments, um, I just listened to your episode uh, to Mr. Moto Escape. In your comments after the show, you mentioned the cat could have gotten away. I went back and listened, and when Mr. Moto is arguing to take the cat, mentions that it was injured. I assumed that the sarcophagus fell apart. I was kind of sad to see Lieutenant Grant uh, killed off. I enjoyed him. I uh, love the shows, and I'm looking forward to the new shows that are starting this week. Uh, uh, thanks for sharing with us. Well, thanks so much, Lori, and uh, it's a good catch. I missed it on my original listen, and uh Apologize, uh, good call on that one, uh, from you. And, uh, other listener comments. Uh, Joan emails in and says, uh, I think this is the first show of Mr. Motors I completely enjoyed. Nice touch with the cat. My cat bought, uh, brought back a mouse to my front door as a gift for me to thank me for how well she was treated, fed her, uh, her warm home and my love. Snoopy was her name, uh, pure black with a little white under her chin. When I opened the front door and saw it was in her mouth, I coaxed her to put it down so I could see it. She did, and in a flash, I grabbed a paper towel and picked up the dead mouse and ran through the house out the back door where I put it in the garbage bag and put the lid back on the tin. I never moved so fast in all my life. Snoopy was by then waiting inside the back door for me, and when I opened it, she ran outside meowing and looking for the mouse. After that, I always check to see what she had in her mouth, if anything, before I let her in the house. Uh, and then uh, Zant says, uh, hey, just wanted to tell you that cat thing is fishy. We live in a rural area, and um, our cats eat rats. This, of course, all in regards to Mr. Moto's assertion that a cat would have to be crazy to eat a mouse or a rat. And... Uh, may have something to do with breeds, but it's perhaps not as universal as uh, Mr. Moto said. All right, well, we have one final uh, comment, and this one from uh, Joel, who writes, Regarding Mr. Moto, I am loving this series. The plot, actions, acting are all great theater of the mind. Moto is a great character. Thanks for bringing him to me. All right, well... Uh, thanks so much, Joel, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And then join us next week for another episode of Mr. Moto. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.